Thank you for joining us on the CFF Podcast. Today, Pastor Pablo Martinez will be inspiring you with a message from the Word of God. We hope you enjoy and welcome home. All right, why don't we give Jesus a round of applause? Come on. Awesome. Tell the person next to you, welcome home, welcome home. Tell them, welcome home. You look good today. The other way. There you go. All right, cool. Um, check, check. Great, great stuff. So um, you may be seated. I guess you guys already did. But um, I am uh, very excited to, to share with you today what we're going to be sharing. Uh, raise your hand. You've been doing your devotional this week. Raise your hand. Yes. Good job. Good job. If you didn't wave your hand, um, it's okay. Don't feel bad. You can start this week. Uh, just pick up where, right where you left off. Um, what I want to do today is I want to share today's devotional, shed a little bit of light into the, what you guys already read. And um, what did we read about, read about today? Okay, I thought you guys did your devotional. <laughs> uh, we did. We just didn't do it well. Okay, uh, what was it on? Matthew 5, right? Matthew 5, 1 through 12. Matthew 5, 1 through 12 is an awesome, awesome part of the Bible. Um, it's honestly, if I can be very, very honest with you, uh, a lot of preachers preach on it, and they preach on it so much that I don't think I ever preach on it, like ever. Uh, the last time I preached on it, I used the same analogy, and it was maybe two or three years ago, and I don't think anybody will remember if I bring them up here. But my prayer is that you don't remember my teachings, but you remember the teachings in the scripture, okay? Uh, I don't get offended, I don't get mad if you don't remember what I said, but if you remember what the word of God says, and you're able to apply it to your life, then we're doing something good, amen? So we call this formation... All right, Formation Fridays, we believe that Fridays is the day where people most deform their lives. Like they make the dumbest choices. And I say they, I mean we, right? Because I also made some dumb choices Friday nights, regretted them Saturday morning, really through Thursday. Uh, some of them, you know, uh, some of the things that you do Friday nights, uh, you, some people live for their Friday nights. Like they, they survive, they don't live, they survive for their Friday nights. And they think that living begins Thursday night or Friday night or sun Sunday. And then they try doing it again the next week. And they're just as empty, as hollow, and as sad as the weekend before. And that's the fact of life. If you don't have Christ, it is a really difficult, I would say impossible task to truly live. Bible says that he is the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody comes to the Father but through me. I think we should make t-shirts that says the life. Uh, that'd be kind of cool. Anyway, so uh, well, I want to do something. I want you to, uh, just for a second, uh, ask yourself, am I really happy? I mean, go ahead, ask yourself. All right, good, good. Say yourself. Are you really happy, right? Am I really happy? I believe that happiness is broken. Happiness is so broken, and it doesn't work in so many people's lives. Happiness is so easy to get but so difficult to keep. Happiness is easy to get, but difficult to keep. Ask a drug addict. It feels good in the beginning. I don't know, I've never been high, but I could imagine that it feels good. Otherwise, people wouldn't do it. Like if it hurts you every single time so bad and it tastes like it's horrible, but there's something, there's an appeal to it, right? Sin tastes good, it feels good. At the moment, it's like, woo, but then later it brings about death. Elijah and Kids World, really, they're learning a Bible verse this week. And it says, for the wages of sin is death. 
Good job, kids. We're all just kidding. Now, nah, nah, you guys could have made it. Okay, wages of sin is death, and then the gift of God is eternal life, right? But the wages of sin, meaning the payment of sin, is death. And that we know for sure. The first lie that the enemy uh, lets you, leads you to believe is that you can have happiness and keep it away from God. That you can actually be happy without serving the Lord. And when I mean serving, I mean your entire life surrendered at his feet. That, for some people, sounds manipulative. However, for the one who is in love, it sounds like heaven. If you're not in love, if you really don't love someone and somebody tells you your entire life you're going to serve this person. You're going to be like, heck no. That sounds like prison. Is it true or not? Man, but when you're in love, it's like, yes, sign me up. It's a fact. It's true. I know, I know that from the depth of my heart, if I were not in love with my wife, I would not want to do what I do. This week I've been alone all by myself with the two children at home. And just, you know, things haven't stopped and I haven't slept. And I'm like, I miss you, Eoni, more than ever before. <laughs> but I couldn't do this if I didn't love my wife. I didn't love my kids. I couldn't even enjoy my kids if I don't love them. But to really serve someone, you actually need to really love them. In this ministry, we don't want to reproduce members. We don't care about membership. How many of you guys have a CFF card? No? You don't have a CFF card? Ah. You guys didn't get a card? All right. We don't have a CFF card. We don't have like, oh, you mean you're out of it. You can't really get out because it's like you're in. Either, either you live it or you don't live it. And that's just how it is. Like we don't have like now you got baptized, now you became a member, now you tithe. It's like, that's not how it works here. You either are or you're not, and it's that simple. I, I, I didn't become a member of Mexicanness. You know, I am just born. I'm like, I am that, you know? And, and I could deny it. I could, I could act like I'm not Mexican. You know what I mean? I could talk like Australian or something. And how many guys know that's just foolishness? I'm not being who I am. And it doesn't mean that I cannot appreciate love and admire and respect. But something happens in Christianity. When you're born into the kingdom of God, when you become a child of God and you act a fool, literally, and you just live like you're not a child of God, it's just a matter of time until you come to realization, what the heck am I doing? So for some, it's going to take a little longer. Be patient, be kind, be loving towards them, and be prayerful. Why am I talking like this? Because I know that the standard of CFF, what we're trying to do, everything we do, destiny training, life class, every single sermon, every single life, every single, every single cell group, everything we do is to be able to produce and reproduce disciple makers. We don't want just followers. I don't want you to be a follower. Now, following is part of really following Christ. You don't follow me. You follow Jesus in me. Does that make sense? Like if I'm following Christ, follow me. If I'm not following Christ, find somebody else immediately. I mean it 100%. I, say, I would tell you that if you were even my wife. I would exactly tell you that. I would tell you, you know what? If I'm not following Jesus, you're not under any authority whatsoever of me. Because honestly, at the end of the day, I can lead you astray. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to, you know, a woman inside of her says, amen. You know what I mean? <laughs> a bitter and angry. But I can tell you this, that we are in this place very purposeful and meaningful. And that sometimes collides with people's realities. It did with mine at first. Because true surrender is not always the easiest thing. And jujitsu, I still have a pinched nerve because I refuse to surrender. And I'm talking about 10 years ago. You know what I mean? It's like I refuse to surrender, so I'm still paying the price for it. And I fell asleep afterwards. Uh, they were, had me on a triangle choke. And, and I was like, pinched nerve, and then I fell asleep, and I didn't feel anything. And I just refused to surrender, and that happens in our lives. 
Uh, I'm going to break down the Beatitudes today in the best way possible. I used to not like this sermon, like I said, because it got so preached. And honestly, every time it got preached, I just didn't understand. I really didn't understand. But now it makes so much sense. It's about being Christ-likeness. Before I get going with the steps, I want you to know something. This is the first characteristic, the first requirement, the first standard we're looking for in the model that we want to reproduce as a disciple of Jesus in this church. The first thing we need is Christ-likeness. I want to be Christ-like in my marriage, to my family, to you, in my finances, to my brothers, to my friends, at my work, at my school, everywhere I go. I want to be Christ-like. Do I want to be Pastor Caesar-like? Only if he's Christ-like. Amen? Do I want to be Frank-like? Well, everybody wants to be like Frank. But that's only because he's so much like Jesus, right? Right? Now, you want to be Christ-like. You see, a lot of people say, oh, don't follow me, follow Jesus. You're an idiot. That's dumb. It's kind of like saying, no, don't do what I do, but, but do what I do. You know what? If I'm following Jesus, this is what Paul said. Follow me as I follow Christ. Literal words from the Apostle Paul. Follow me as I follow Christ. Let me repeat that so that any of you that have arguments against leadership would just right now decide if this is biblical or not. Follow me as I follow Christ. What we're trying to do in this church is not get you to stop cussing. That's not our aim. It's not get you to come to church. I don't want you to be committed. Like, I don't want committed people. We want dreamers. We want people that say, that's the heart of God. I want that. Does that make sense? Otherwise, I'm going to be your pusher all your life, and I don't want to push anybody. No pastor ever wants to be the bad guy. I didn't sign up to be a bad guy. I did sign up to serve the Lord. And if this is your calling to serve Jesus Christ as he called every one of his children, if you are a Christian by default, you ought to follow Christ. And what does it mean to follow Christ? Number one, to actually, what does it look like? What we desire in this church, the number one thing is to be Christ-like in your character, in your attitudes, in the way that you feel towards other people. I, I, I love, love this ministry because there's so much friendship, so much relationship. People actually care for each other, constantly praying for one another. Tonight, before we end, we're going to pray for Julian. You know, he's, is he out? Does anybody know how he's doing? He's back? Doctors? X-ray? We'll find out as soon as, as soon as he gets out. But we actually pray for one another. We love each other. Uh, I think I get tired of, like, baby showers, parties, weddings, all kinds. I, even, I, I don't even need cake anymore. Because, like, there's so much, you know, camaraderie, so much family going on. I love that. But Christ-likeness is more than just this. Christ-likeness is outside of this church. Amen? Christ-likeness is the number one thing. The number two thing is a multiplying ministry. Every single one of us. Every one of us should be a life-giving agent. I am not a pastor because I dreamt of being a pastor. When I was nine years old, I was like, oh, I want to be a pastor. I can't wait to be a pastor. Amen, hermano. I never dreamt of that. I wanted to be a good thief, a lion tamer, and a firefighter. And none of those am I today. I may be in one way or another. I tame kind of lions. You know what I mean? I don't know, but I studied psychology. My degree is not pastoring. That's my heart. Listen to what I'm telling you. Every one of you, every one of us, one day will meet our maker. Truly. And you will have to answer for the Jesus that paid for you. He died for you. I didn't. Christ died for you. Not Pablo. Not your leader. Not anyone around you. Jesus died for you. As far as I know, the living Jesus Christ came and sacrificed himself for you. Your response to him ought to be seriously and genuinely 
I can tell you this. Who else needs my Jesus? Who else needs Jesus Christ? The first commandment human beings ever got was not love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your mind and all your soul. That was not the first commandment. The first commandment was be fruitful and multiply. Subdue the earth. Why do you think God, do you think God needed to tell us that? Because we didn't know how to get physical. <laughs> that's, that's animals know how to do that. He wasn't talking about that, baby. He was talking about so much. That came standard. He was talking about something much greater. Be fruitful and multiply. And so every disciple in this ministry will be fruitful and multiply. Look, I don't care if you don't know how to read, write, or, or watch TV. Look, I'm telling you this. You can give fruit. You can multiply. Somebody please say amen. I can be a life-giving agent. Do you know why? Because rivers of living water dwell inside of you. And if that is the case, then they should overflow. A little girl said to her mom after she got out of church, I don't know why the pastor keeps saying that Jesus is so big. If Jesus is so big, shouldn't he show through us? He should. Amen? Jesus should show through. If he's so big, he should show through. And so that's the idea of multiplication. The second thing, I mean, the third thing is this, 12. Why in this church 12? We work through teams of 12. Because we understand that Jesus, when he came to this earth, he formed a team of 12. Would my team of 12 men stand up, please, for just a second, really quick. Come on, quickly, quickly, quickly. Let's go, 12 men. All right, good stuff. Louis, JC, Marcos, good. Alex, all right. Frank. Yes. Now, one of them's in New York, the other one's somewhere else, somewhere else, and somewhere else. So, but I have the 12 men that are amazing. They're great husbands. They love the Lord. They love their families. Uh, recent father back there, amazing. Woo, not sleeping. Oh, he's sleeping. Alba's the one that's not sleeping. But he just got married. Louis just formalized things. He got married. We saw pictures of Hawaii. That was awesome. Legit. How was that? You still got the tan a little bit. Was it? What was the best part? I'm <laughs> just kidding. Have a seat. All right, have a seat. Like, I didn't even see the island, Pastor. All right, have a seat. Okay, so every one of us in here. Now, if I can tell you this, Louis used to run away from Marcos because he was the guy that was trying to talk to him about God. And he would be late for movies because the guy was outside. The guy that was, his friend was trying to invite him to church. And Natalie and Louis were like, nah, nah, he's still outside. We're going to be late for the movie. Nah, nah, nah. Right? And now they're the ones making people late for movies. I think that's pretty cool. I don't know what I'm just saying. You know what I mean? Marcos, I don't even want to start with Marcos and the butt tattoo. I don't want to even go there. You know what I mean? But like Marcos and JC were like buddies. And did you get one too? Or you're the one who got the t- <laughs> Anyway, so anyway, you guys are the ones who have this crazy, insane life. And now you're like disciple makers. Isn't that right? Right. So before you were some like, you tried down for whatever. Not even about the cheddar, right? It was just for whatever. And now you're like disciple making, right? What's your goal for this year? To get my 12. What's your goal for this year, Jay? What's your goal for this year, Louis? All right, what's your goal, Frank, for this year? All right, what's your goal, Alex, for this year? Why is that a goal? Is it because it's a magical number? Oh, you know what? I think because Jesus had 12. So when we get to heaven, we say, well, yo, what, what did you do on earth? Like, what was your strategy to enlarge the kingdom of God? Well, I did what Jesus did. That's a good argument. That's a pretty darn good argument. When you get to heaven and somebody asks you, or like the pearly gates are like, okay, what did you do to enlarge the kingdom of God? I got my 12 like Jesus. Okay, good. Come on in. Does that make sense? not like that. But it really is. A, it's, it's the idea that, hey, there's so many things we can do out there. Let's do what Jesus did. That's the third thing. Fourth thing, third generational leadership. That means that I don't want followers. Leaders is what we're looking for, right? If people all want, all they want is to follow, it'll be a very lazy Christianity. You'll get so tired of just following. We don't want that. When Jesus came to this earth, he didn't just say, follow me. He said, follow me. And then before he left, he said, now go. 
Right? That's called the Great Commission. He sent them out to the world. Every single one of us in here, we have to have in mind, all right, Lord, I need a three-generational ministry. What does that mean? That the people that I bless will also bless somebody else. I'll keep repeating this over time so that we never lose sight of it. The first thing we're looking for is Christ-likeness. The second thing we want out of our life and our, our, our disciples and this church is people that have a multiplying ministry. The third thing is the 12. The fourth thing is a three-generational leadership. Okay, now some of you are like, whoa, I don't even know about the first one yet, Pastor. Don't worry about it. It is our job to help you get there. Okay? The first thing is Christ-likeness. So Christ-likeness means what? When we did our devotional today, I could not have planned it any better. God had to do it, and it was an amazing, he did an amazing job. In the Beatitudes, we find something, or the Sermon on the Mount, we found the Beatitudes. This is one of the most famous sermons, if not the most famous sermon it is Jesus, the Jesus sermon. It is where Jesus set the temperature. He set the standard. It's where people used to say, what about the Torah? What about the Old Testament law? What about the Mosaic law? And Jesus is like, that's good. Count me in and I'll raise it. Like, I'll, I'll bet that. And I'm not saying that shouldn't be. That, that's the law, great. But I've come to fulfill that law. Like, I am the, the lamb, the sacrifice. I am the ultimate price that was paid. Not only that... It wasn't just the law. It was, it was not even the fulfillment of his. it. He went above and beyond. While the law said, thou shalt not kill, Jesus would say, you shouldn't even hate people. Like that's already counted as murder. Forget the act. Where's your heart at? Does that make sense? This is Jesus upping it a little bit. And this is how Christians, this is how people that follow Jesus are to live. This is what Christ-likeness looks like. Okay? So... The way it's written, it's actually really beautiful, and um, it's written on a, on a succession. It's like it begins here at your very, very beginning stages where you barely get to know Jesus. If you're here for the first time and, and you're like, I don't even know why I'm here. They just told me they have cute girls. You are right. They are cute, and they love Jesus too. And, uh, and anyway, so um, I was going to say something else about that. But anyway, so, so normally we start somewhere. We, you know, they, my wife always tells me that the... The only job that you start at the top is digging ditches. So you're digging holes. That, that's not what we're doing. We're actually building a life. You're building a, a priestly family. You're building a ministry. So normally and naturally, we need to have a foundation. We need to start somewhere. And the Beatitudes, the Sermon on the Mountain, according to Matthew chapter 5, verse 1, begins right here. So let's read it. And if you have questions, which you probably will, um, just... Ask your cell leader. I'm sure they're going to know everything. Okay, here we go. Nearly, <laughs> that was a sarcastic thing. If you have questions, ask, man. Honestly, dig into the word. Um, ask us. Stay afterwards. Be hungry for, uh, for the word of God. Are you guys good? Yeah. I felt like I just finished my sermon. I wish you just go eat tacos or something. You guys, <laughs> all right, close. You guys are happy. Like, yeah, 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 let's go. All right, close your eyes. Let's pray. Dear God, thank you so much for your love, for this beautiful, incredible, incredible evening. God, Formation Fridays is... Honestly, God, revolutionizing, changing the way this ministry thinks, the way this ministry is. I thank you for every person that made it here. Whether they were brought or they came, I thank you for their lives. I thank you because I know, God, that today you'll speak into one specific area that will change the way that they live. Thank you, Jesus, because you died for us at the cross. And today we tell you we want to be like you. In your name we pray. Amen. First thing is this. We're going to read Matthew chapter 5, verse 1 through 12. And I will read... Maybe not all of it. Maybe only a few verses, like six of them. Uh, but if you haven't done your devotional, feel free to go back tonight. And it's going to bless you so much. 
Verse 1, when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on the mountain, and after he sat down, his disciples came to him. He opened his mouth and began to teach them, saying, check this out. By the way, he's talking to his disciples, okay? Now listen, blessed are the poor in spirit, for, their for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed. Now, we don't really talk like that much. I mean, if you go to work and you say, hey, bless you, you just sound so Christian, right? It's like, hey, brother, bless you. How many of you guys have told, say, hey, how are you doing today? Blessed. We don't normally say it, but it's a beautiful word. I, I remember back in the day, they say, blessed and highly favored. Oh, mm, mm, I love it. Come on, right? Uh, I'm going to bring it back. I'm telling you. Uh, I, I am blessed. Like, blessed means I'm so happy. I'm overflow. I'm, I'm joyous. Like, I am really, really happy. Uh, People try to look for happiness in so many, so many wrong places. We pursue happiness versus, per okay, P happiness is a fruit. If you pursue the fruit, you're going to run out of it. Does that make sense? Okay, I'm, gonna re I'm just going to repeat that. If it makes sense to you, please say amen. Happiness is a fruit. If you're pursuing the fruit, you're going to run out of it. You need to look for the root. You need to look for that which gives the fruit, the, the trees, the orchard. You need to go find the source of happiness, not the pursuit of happiness. That's a movie. I'm just telling you guys, seriously. You try to chase after happiness itself, you'll grab it and it will leave you just as quick as you touched it. It's a fact. People get married to be happy. Wrong. Immediately wrong. Ask any married people that have been married for over two days. They'll tell you, Wrong. You don't get married to be happy. You already got it backwards. You're putting the, the, the horse right behind the carriage. Carriage, is that how you say it? Right? It's like, it's just off. So understanding that this is God establishing principles for true blessed lives. Like real happy lives. So happy, let's just replace it like this. Like this. Like this. Happy are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Immediately we think what? Okay, God, that's just weird. You're telling me that happy are the poor. How many guys know that's very counter-American dream, counter-cultural? How many broke folk are super happy today? Woo, I can't wait to be broke. You know what I mean? Like, I am so broke. I, I, you know what? How are you doing? Broke? I'm just broke. Super broke. How about you? Broke too. Woo! Right? You're like, hey, you know what? I'm pretty sad I got paid, but I'm going to get broke real quick, so don't worry about it. We never think that way, right? Because the Bible is so contrary to our mindset. It's not even talking about money. It's the person that understands I am so broken, so broke, so poor without the living God. Like without God, I can't make it. That's the first stage. You see people come to Jesus or get thrown in front of Jesus and they think they can still make it. In the very beginning, maybe you are sitting here and you're thinking, yeah, yeah, this whole church thing is fine, but it didn't work for me like 20 years ago. Or it didn't work for my grandma. It didn't, you know, I tried the church thing. It didn't work. I know, of course it's not going to work. It's not the church thing. Church thing will never work, bro. Like it never does. It's called religion and it doesn't, it doesn't do jack. It's really understanding. I, am, I just need Jesus. The other day somebody asked me, so what denomination are you? I was like, well, this person is obviously a Christian. And they obviously already have some some thoughts about, because if you don't know what denomination is, don't learn it. Like, just stay away from it, honestly. It's just, you don't need that stuff. It's just Jesus. Like, well, what style of worship? Mm, the good one? You know, <laughs> what do you want me to tell you? Like, different than yours? Everyone's, we are after Christ. Does that make sense? So, the first thing is understanding I am poor without him. 
If you don't know how poor you are without Jesus, I'm sorry to tell you, we cannot build joy in you. You just, happiness, it'll always flee you. It'll always be a fruit, not a root. Happiness is fleeting for you. You will never understand joy. You're always going to be down there. And I promise, this is not me speaking. Read the word of God. And I can tell you, some guy, I was just translating for someone in Manila. And this guy from Brazil was saying, I was translating. Oh, he was speaking Spanish, so it wasn't so bad. But he was saying that if sex was where happiness was, why are prostitutes so sad? Because they, you know. And I'm thinking, well, uh, we could, uh, it made a lot of sense, right? And, of course, you go to money. Why is it that, honestly, a lot, a whole lot of rich people are so bankrupt? Does that make sense? That's not really where it's at. And Jim Carrey said, I wish everyone in the world would have all the fame in the world and all the money in the world so that they would know that that's not what makes people happy. I mean, this is Jim Carrey, the happy guy. By the way... It's pretty amazing what God's been doing in that guy's life. But in here, we can see something so simple. Am I really poor in spirit? Or am I still so high and mighty? Girls, listen. Never date a guy who's so high and mighty. I'm like, nah, I don't need God. I'm all right. Yeah, I'll go to church with you. But you know, I ain't going to church. I'll go with you just so, you know. Because why? Because you're so rich. And the crazy thing about that, when you're so full of you, you can never receive him. Like your hands are already kind of full of yourselfness you know <laughs> so next thing is blessed are those who mourn and this one caught me man blessed are those who mourn for they shall be comforted if you've ever been in a place where you realize your condition once you say i'm so poor and now i'm hurting when your sin actually hurts you when you realize that you're hurting the heart of god that sin is death and death needs to be mourned listen the consequences of sin are horrible and they're terrible. And we cannot just blame other people for it. I love this step of happiness. You cannot truly be happy unless you have truly mourned. Let me tell you why. Because you're blaming other people all the time for the things that you've done or that have been done. And you can never truly own or take responsibility of your own actions. When a person begins to mourn, it means, you know, yeah, I get it. It was me. No one else. I, I'm done with this. And I love this part because this is, this is something that I, I mean, it's written here. And uh, it says, blessed are they for they will be comforted. Have you guys ever heard the term good grief? Good grief. Anybody uses that? It's kind of like old school. No, anybody? Good grief. How can, actual, how can grief actually be good? Because grief brings about a whole lot of transformation. Look. You could tell me, don't do it, don't do it, don't do it, don't do it until I get burnt. And then I'm like, all right, I get it. You know what I'm saying? Or no, like, yeah, don't do that. And then I get burnt. Some of you guys are like Homer Simpson, dope, 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 dope. <laughs> same girl, dope, dope, same guy, dope, dope, dope. This is true or not? Dope. You guys don't watch The Simpsons, right? Because you guys are holy. But dope. Same thing over and over. I mean, when you actually mourn and you realize, yeah, this is not right, man. Like, I got to quit doing this. I got to mourn. You know, I actually got to understand the pain that there is in this. Let me go a little bit more. Now, can you see the progression? First, you realize your condition. Next, man, you realize how much pain that has brought to you, to other people. The things that have died and would have survived had you not sinned. Oh, man, that gets me every time. What things... Or what people could be around right now had you not led them astray while you were living a whack Christian life? 
I'm going to repeat that one more time. For those of you that want to take responsibility for your actions right now and truly mourn tonight, how many people could have been at the feet of Jesus today? Had you taken your responsibility? And this is not to make you feel bad, but so that in the future you understand that your Christianity is not just about you. Your life is not just about you. If you're a father and you left your home, own up. It's for one person, two people that may hear us even in the, in the podcast or what have you, own up. Your life can bless so many people's lives, beginning your people at home. Mourn your sin. If you don't mourn your sin, listen, it's not really dead. I'm going to repeat it again. If you don't mourn your sin, it probably didn't really die. It's just sleeping. And it's going to wake up again. Mourn your sin. Learn to mourn your sin. Let me go to the next one. Three, meek. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. I love this. Because I don't use the word meek, and you don't use the word meek. Oh, my gosh, that person's so meek. It just sounds weird. Anybody know what meek is? Thank you. No one except Whitney knew. Like none of us knew. I'm so glad because I didn't either. Especially as an immigrant, meek looks like miko. It doesn't, nothing. You know, it actually means, listen, it means power under control. It means submission. It means humility. It's used for, for when like a horse has been, has been ridden and, and it's got that bit in its mouth and it's this powerful animal. And yet it has, you know, it has so much force and yet it is under submission. He says, blessed are the meek, the meek. I think, man, how come, how come God brings this up? When we are growing and we give our life to God, we start mourning our sin, but then we want it back. We want our lives. We don't want to submit. We don't want anybody telling us what to do. We want you, God, as our Lord. Nah, just my Savior. Lord is a whole nother level. You see, I got a Savior here, but I need a Lord for this one. Let me repeat that. You need a Savior here. But now you're entering into something called lordship. And this is where a lot of people jump ships. They just say, I want religion. I want a church. I want to sing. I want to, hey, I'll do even the twice a week thing. But lordship, now hold on, hold on, hold on. I got my values. I got my thinking. Maybe that works in Colombia. Maybe that's for you guys. Maybe that's for the pastor. But don't you tell me how to live my life. I'm American. I got rights. Isn't that right? American, I got rights. Your rights end where the Lord's desire begins. That is, that's called lordship. For some of us, this is like, it's a cult. No, it's biblical. Some people, really, seriously, they're more committed to their gym than to the, than to the Lord. The lordship of your life is Rain. Like who, who runs your standards? Who runs your, your life? Who, who tells you what to do with your time, money, resources, energy? Who's the Lord of your life? I'm not talking about church. Church is a blessing if that's the case. If it's not, this will be something you're going to be like, ah. They're constantly telling you, submit to the Lord. Submit to the Lord. Submit to the Lord. I can say this, that this one is probably one of the most difficult steps for happiness. But once you truly learn to submit to the rightful owner, I'm going to stop right there. We all serve someone. My freedom, your freedom is not to do what you want to do. That is the biggest lie from the pit of hell. If I was free to do what I wanted to do, I'd be punching people left and right. 
I'm not kidding. Sometimes I just want to punch somebody. It's just freedom, right? Oh, no, no, but then that's it. No, no, listen. My freedom is to do what's right. I got freedom to do what is right. When I do what's wrong enough, I lose my freedom to do what's right. Listen. If you drive jacked up enough, enough times, you're going to lose your right to do, or your, not right, your privilege to do what's right. Does that make sense? If you don't do what's right enough, you're going to lose that freedom to do what's right. That is, freedom is serving the right master. That sounds awful to Americans, but it's the right and biblical thing. See, because you and I live in a democracy. In the kingdom of God, it's literally a kingdom. Everybody's under the lordship of the king. But we voted our president in. Nobody voted God in. You think you can vote him in. You think you can elect him and evict him and impeach him when you want to. It's not a democracy. It's a theocracy. That means that the Lord is above all. And so this is so hard for us. Man, it's so hard, for, especially for young people now, man. I'm telling you, I feel so honored, honored. I'm telling you this. When I, when I finally understood, Lord, you are a better Lord than I am and I will ever be. I'm messing it up so bad. I'm not kidding, man. I'm like, this is not good. Would you please lead? Would you take control? I don't know how to drive this thing. Does that make sense? But you are so bent in doing your way. And sometimes you cannot have true happiness because you're still trying to just drive. When you let God control, when you let God rule, when you let God decide what's right, what's wrong, you're going to find so much freedom, so much joy. Amen? Can we go to the next one? Yeah. You're like, I brought a new person, pastor. I thought you were going to preach about something nicer. And I'm about like control and stuff. Yeah. Number four, hunger and thirst. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. This is where it starts getting beautiful. Hunger and thirst for righteousness. Are you hungry? I could see the most interesting man in the world say, stay thirsty, my friends. You know, like seriously, like stay thirsty, my friends. Are you still hungry? Are you thirsty not to be right but for righteousness? Are you hungry? Are you thirsty for his righteousness? Are you hungry and thirsty for his righteousness? Now, stop right there. And we can say yes, but do we know what his righteousness is? His righteousness is literally this. Jesus covering every sin on every person. I am not righteous because I don't sin. That's a lie. All of you sin. And if you say you don't, you're sinning already as liars. Right or not? Why well, you're lying. No, we all fall short of the glory of God. Otherwise, Jesus died in vain. We all need Christ. And that grace that God gave us is not to sin, but in, to the contrary, it's that we don't sin. But I praise God that we have a great lawyer in heaven, and his name is Jesus. And his dad is the judge. Hmm, pretty good odds. <laughs> Hunger and thirst for that same righteousness that covered me, the blood of the lamb, would also cover somebody else. I love this. God, I'm so hungry and thirsty to see righteousness in that person. Look, when we see people messing up, we cannot judge people. Because we know our current, we know our ladder. We know the steps we've gone through. Yeah, been poor, been broke, I'm not in control, hungry and thirsty. Now I want that for you. Does that make sense? But some people that didn't go through the steps and they just think, ah, I'm happy here. I'm all the way up here. That's called judgmental religious goofballs. That's the theological term. 
<laughs> term. So theological term, like goofballs. Um, hunger and thirst for righteousness. These are all internal attitudes. I'm going to stop right there for just a second. These are the steps from a new believer, somebody who doesn't know God and recognizes they're broke spiritually, that they need the Savior. The second thing is that they mourn their sin. It's not just, oh, I messed up. No, you mean you sinned. I fell. No, you didn't fall. Falling is accidental. I know a guy that he would really, we were talking in my office. Oh, I fell. You didn't fall. Falling is I'm walking. I tripped. Oh, I fell. You walked into this one, bro. Like you clicked your way into it. Somebody's just got, this just got too real right now. So this morning your sin, accepting it, saying, God, yeah, I'm not going to run from this one. Next one, meek. Lord, my life is yours. My life, matter of fact, your life is yours. Here, take it. It's not mine. 10%. <laughs> it's yours, all of it, 100%. It's all yours. Amen? Woo. Then internal attitude still. Hungry and thirst to see righteousness of God on this earth. Not to see your righteousness, not to see what you think it's best, to see his righteousness covering people's sin. Amen? Now these are all externals. And I love this next part. is because now it's not just theoretical. Now it's just a concept. This, you can be all inside and not ever show it. Now we get into the nitty gritty. You guys know who said that? Nacho Libre. All right, good, good. Okay, external. Now these are our actions. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Once you have gone through this and you know it, because you've changed. You've changed. It's hard to not forgive when you have been broke and hurt and you have mourned your own sin. It is hard to be judgmental. Listen, it's hard to be judgmental when you have surrendered control of your own life. It is so hard to be just looking at people and it is difficult I'm telling you, it is difficult to harvest resentment when you know all that's been forgiven to you. He who forgives most, loves most. He who forgives most, loves most. And so the fifth step is merciful. In the words of my favorite uh, actor, Maximus Decimus Aurelius, he was the commander of the legions of the north. <laughs> Leader of the Felix armies. You guys know him? Husband to a murder son. No, husband to a murder wife. Father to a murder son. No? In this life or the next, he shall have his vengeance. But uh, uh, he said, am I not merciful? You guys remember that? No? Okay, fine. Uh, let's go back to the Bible. Merciful literally means this. This is what the Bible says. Judge, judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone who has not been merciful. Listen to this. That's in James 2.13. Judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone who has not been merciful. Matthew 6, 14, 15, if you still don't get it, this is a good one. For if you forgive men whom, that includes women, by the way, for those of you that are trying to find the loop. For if you forgive them, I'm just going to put that, when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Okay, it doesn't matter what I tell you it's what the Bible says if you do not forgive your sin your the sinners that have wronged you but you don't know pastor I don't and I never will but he does and he did and he's still asking you you know why because he loves you because his mercy is being extended towards you because when you harvest resentment you're drinking poison expecting somebody else to die you're just hating somebody 
and you're not forgiving and your bones are rotting away and you're thinking the other person is going to come crawling asking for forgiveness. They don't even know what they did. And you're just over here rotting. And that's the power that God wants you to have. See, this other step of joy, it's beautiful. Because once you know how much you've been forgiven, then it's like, okay, God, thank you so much. Who am I to not forgive? You forget my debt of a million, how could I not forget a hundred bucks? Amen? Let me go a little bit more. And honestly, when I was thinking of this analogy, I was thinking of preaching, like sitting up here and then up here. But then I thought, I'm going to get really tired here. So I'm just going to wait. Okay, so then merciful. The next step is this. Now, we began at poor, the recognition that I need God. After that, sin sucks. The third one, meek, is like, God, would you please take control? After that, I want righteousness to come on this earth. And over my life as well, I don't want to live according to my standards. I want your righteousness on me. Jesus, your blood covers me. The next one is merciful, right? Merciful is I forgive other people. By the way, a mature person is not someone who knows a lot. Actually, actually, that's not maturity. Maturity doesn't come with a degree. Nobody goes to school. What are you mastering? Maturity. I'm getting a doctor in maturity. What maturity now? It's not maturity. It's maturity. I'm a master in maturity. How about you? It doesn't, you can't study enough to get maturity. You have to. Seriously. The ability to act redemptive is a true measure of maturity. How redemptive are you? I'm not saying how dumb are you. Because some people are just dumb. That's not redemptive. You know what's happening. And if you know what's happening but you're still redemptive, that's beautiful. If you pretend like it's not happening and you just let abuse happen, that's not merciful. That's just... You need help. You need strength. You need somebody to come alongside you and help you out. But redemptive attitudes, they're not childlike. They're Christ-like. Amen? Like, that's childish, not childlike. A redemptive attitude. I love my, uh, <laughs> my boy because when Josiah makes him cry, he immediately forgives him. Like, quick. I'm like, that's awesome. I want that kind of maturity. Amen? I want that four- or five-year-old maturity. I mean, I really do. The ability to just say, I'm, I'm going to move on. I'm going to love you regardless because you're my brother, you're my sister. Amen? Yeah. Merciful. Next one. We should make shirts. Am I not merciful? <laughs> Verse 6. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Purity, purity. Blessed are the pure in heart. Now, I'm sorry, but sometimes we feel like we can be merciful without all these steps and it just won't work. We feel like, you know what, I'm going to be pure because I'm going to try really hard and that's just not how it works. Purity is called integrity. This is awesome. This purity is not the purity that the world tells you about. Like, no, you know, I'm going to, it's, it's not, it's not abstinence. That's, that's not this. Purity means integrity. Purity, it means transparency. Purity means I am actually who I am. I'm not faking the funk. Yes? Amen? Like I'm not pretending this is just me. What you see is what you get. And I don't mean like, so what? I'm just honest. No, you're rude. No filter. Right? It's not, it's not that kind of purity. Some people just got no filter. You didn't get spanked when you were a child. Now you don't have friends. Like you need to get a filter. Amen? Right? That's called testimony. It's called being merciful and kind. Now let's go back a few steps. But purity means that I am transparent. You don't have to dig, 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 poke, poke, poke. And then the truth comes out. Purity means like, seriously, there's no additives here. It's just me. Right? Have you ever dealt with someone who claims to know the Lord and yet this is not present? You know what I'm saying? It's like, I know something's off and I don't know what it is. But I can't put my foot on it. 
You see, it's usually this. They've climbed this, they've seen the Lord, but here they cannot shake something. They cannot shake it. And I think this will make sense. Blessed is the man who is genuine in heart, who is authentic, who is not phony, because such a man will see God. That's the other version. That's the new Pablo translation. Um, but it really, it just says, blessed is the one in pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed is the one who's authentic, who's genuine. You know, you don't have to hide from God. Like, it's not like God's going to be up, <gasps> you what? <laughs> like, we feel like we can't be honest with God and we cannot, like, if you come to church, like, I can't go to church because I'm messing up. Like, God only is confined to this awesome looking building. You know, like, God wasn't there when, do you know what I'm saying or no? Like, we know that purity is not religion. Purity is not restricted to Sundays, Friday nights. As a matter of fact, purity is so close to true happiness. Because when you start being pure, then you start trusting you. You start believing in your change, in your transformation. People can tell you, you haven't changed, but you're like, go ahead. A person with an experience will never be at the argument, at the mercy of somebody with an argument. A person with experience will never be at the mercy of somebody with an argument. Now that you've experienced all this, now this becomes genuine. A lot of people, and I can tell you this, they want God, but they don't want to be merciful. They don't want to see the righteousness and the justice of God come in people's lives. They don't want to be submissive. They don't want to mourn their sin, and they think they're doing just fine. It will never work. You'll just be covered in Christianity, but still not Christ. And that's a sad statement, but it's a true. We're going to go to the one before the last, and it's an awesome one here. This is one of my favorite ones, especially, you'll see why. Uh, blessed are the peacemakers. 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 And uh, this is what it says about peacemakers. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. It doesn't say mm, pacifists. It says peacemakers. So I, I, Elijah was telling me today, my kid was telling me, I don't want to keep saying his name because it's the pastor's kid that always gets used to the sermons, uh, illustrations. But um, one of my children <laughs> at school, um, today was telling me how one of his friends was crying because another kid was being really mean to him. And, uh, and it seems to be happening, you know, and I, and I was listening to him. And my first question to Elijah was, and what did you do? I know what the other kid did, but what did you do? Like, are, are we peacemakers or are we just peaceful people? Isn't that different? It, doesn't that make a lot of sense now? It's like, hold up, hold up. Now, I can, I can sit here and pretend like I'm righteous, but I'm not doing anything about the pain and the sorrow of other people. And this doesn't come standard. For some it does. For some people it's, it's a little, it takes a step. It takes recognizing like, Lord, I need to be involved. I may get rejected. It may suck. You know what? I'm, people may not like it sometimes. But I know that I need to be a peacemaker. Now, it doesn't mean that you have to be rude or, or mean. Or sometimes you do have to be a little strong. But peacemakers are people that are proactive not reactive. A peacemaker is usually somebody who is able to, uh, to be a thermostat, not a thermometer. Who's able to change the temperature of the room instead of just measure it. And ooh, ooh. 
You guys ever been part of that? Oh, hand to the mouth. Oh, I got in so many dumb fights over. Oh, I don't even know what they said. It was just, oh, no peacemakers in the room. I was like, where are the peacemakers? You know, by her. Ah, just kidding. No, no the peacemakers. Blessed are the peacemakers. What does it mean for you to make peace? Maybe, just maybe, and I'm going to park right here for like two minutes. Maybe your home is chaotic and crazy because a peacemaker hasn't yet, par yet arrived. Well, I feel so blessed for your home. I am so happy for your house because you are a peacemaker. And when you arrive at your house, it doesn't mean you're going to go, stop, thy shall not. Nah, they're going to kick you out and be like, get out of here, you know, like hit you with your Bible, you know what I mean? Like, it doesn't mean that. It's a, so many different amazing, beautiful ways. It begins with prayer. It begins with actually fasting. It begins with you being all this first. Come on, right? I know because I, I'm going to tell you a quick, quick story. This woman said, I can't stand my husband. I want to divorce him. I want to leave him. Psychologist told her, well, are you sure? He's like, yeah, I'm done. I'm tired of him. I'm, I'm, this is always like horrible. I hate him. I want to hurt him. I don't want to just leave him. I want to hurt him. And the psychologist looked at her and just inside of him was like, wow, this lady, she's really mad. Okay, fine. I'm going to help you. She's like, you are? Yeah, I'm going to help you. Here's what we're going to do. Let's make a plan. Okay, what is it? We're going to make this man fall in love with you. I thought, what? Are you crazy? No, no, yeah. You're going to serve him. You're going to do his best breakfast. You're going to wash his clothes. You're going to fold at night. When he screams at you, he's going to say, yes, honey. He's gonna, you're going to treat him right. You're going to give him what he wants. You're going to just love on him. You're going to be the best. And when he starts falling in love with you, boom, you drop him like a bad habit. You know, you're just going to, right there, you're going to break his heart. She's like, I like it. <laughs> and, she's, and she's like, good, good. And you know, and so they begin this, this, this Machiavellic plan. And, and so she begins the first week and starts doing everything for the guy, you know. Stinky foot massage, all that stuff, you know. <laughs> and he just goes back to the psychologist. I can't take this. It's been uh, four hours. I can't do this anymore. The psychologist says, go back. Trust the plan. It's going to work. I'm a professional. This is what I do. Go do it. Rah, rah. The lady goes back out next week, you know. Next week she comes back. She's like, this is super hard. But I think it's starting to work. I think it's starting to work. He didn't, he didn't scream as, as, as much as at the end of the week. He's like, okay, keep going. Another week. Another week goes by. She's like, I feel I can't even breathe in my own house. I can't stern the guy. But did any of it work? Yeah. Yeah, this little bit. He actually said, thank you. He said, thank you. He's like, what? Yeah, you're doing it. Four weeks go by. Five weeks go by. Six weeks, the lady doesn't show up. The psychologist is like, did she kill him? Right? So she, he's like calling her, hey, are you, are, you, are you there? He's like, are you there? She's not there. Finally, you know, she shows up with this like, this look on her face. And he's like, she's super happy. He's like, you did it, huh? It's on now. He's like, well, actually, um, here's the divorce papers. I don't want him anymore. He's just like, why not? Well, he's so nice now. He's so amazing. He's so kind. I don't think I want to divorce him anymore. I love him more than ever. Now, for some of you, that's a fable. This is facts. This is how life actually works. I mean it. The Bible says those that want friends, show yourself a friend. Like, really, you sow and you reap. Right? You will always reap what you sow. And this is a beautiful thing that sometimes we feel like peacemaking, it's all about the other person. You are the peacemaker. You make peace. There is no peace at home. Make it. Really, make it. 
But my work, yeah, make it. Well, you don't know my coworkers. You know, I work construction for a while. I love working construction. I mean it. I'm not just because I got like, I, I love it because I got to see shift of environment. Like, I know what the construction mindset is when a girl walks by. You know, I know because I know all of them. Like, all the things that, I was going to say they, but I added a few every once in a while. And then I changed. I gave my life to Jesus. Right? But I know, I know that you could never change a mob like that. You're not going to stand up there and the fire of God consume you. You're not. It's not. Really, they're going to be like, ah. Right? You, what you, if you're a peacemaker, you have to ask God for wisdom. Man, you cannot go into a mob of like crazy, you know what I'm saying? Like you have to say, okay, God, give me wisdom to be a peacemaker. How do we do this peace? How do I bring your kingdom to this world? Like how do I begin to show them different? And the way you do that is one by one, little by little, break it down, walls by walls. You know, the enemy is so smart, not because he's a demon, because he's been around for a long time. You know who's been around longer? The one who really actually made him. Before he fell, he was an angel, a created being. And the one who made him finite, not infinite, was the Lord of all. If you tap the resource of the Lord of all, you will overcome the schemes of the enemy. Make peace with that. God is smarter than the enemy. If you're not having peace in an area of your life, it's because you're not making it. Come on. Please give God a shout of praise for that. Make peace. And now we go to the very last one, and by far the most wonderful, popular, the one that everybody's been asking for, the most acclimated. Acclimated is that critically acclaimed, right? Uh, it's a different word. What did you say? It's uh, blessed are those who are persecuted. And this is where the whole like, Pastor, we're doing so good. It was great. And then you go and talk foolishness, start talking about. Persecution. Uh, is there tape? Oh, you did put some tape right here. This is weird because, as far as I know, we don't want persecution, right? Blessed are the persecuted. I get it. More forgiveness, purity, peace, hunger, thirst, even that. I mean, but persecution. This is what the Bible says. Blessed are the persecuted is that uh, blessed are those who are persecuted and then what does it say why for righteousness sake why what's going to happen well why theirs is the kingdom of heaven you don't know it's truly yours until you get to defend it your Christianity is worth nothing unless you're willing to pay something for it. A lot of us, I'm telling you, we have this awesome ride and we love God and everything's awesome and great. And then all of a sudden it gets a little more difficult and a little lonelier at the top. And you're like, wait, hold on. Like right now, I was okay down there because everybody's broke. I was okay down there because everybody like needs God. But when you start living a life that's radical for God, you start serving God, you actually have a Lord who's the Lord of all. Up here, it's a little hotter. Not so many people. People are looking at me. It feels weird. Stop looking at me. <laughs> Why? Why? And you start really getting persecuted by your sister, your brother. I mean, I go to church too, but hey, chill out. That's too much. 
destiny training, disciple, what kind of cult is that? Um, Christianity. Welcome home. It's called discipleship. Persecution. If you've never experienced it, honestly, it's probably because, and I'm getting used to it. Just give me a second. It's kind of, kind of like, oh, as long as I don't get too excited, it's going to be all right. But <laughs> persecution should be part of our lives. What if I told you guys, think about this. What if I told you that unless you're getting attacked, you are not fighting? Like you're not fighting. If you're not actually feeling the kickback, it's time that we wake up and say, God, I actually want to serve you. I want to go an extra mile. I want to go above and beyond, not the status quo. When, when I thought about this and I thought about the analogy, and I was thinking, I don't know if I want to sit on top of the ladder. But then I have no better way to communicate it than this. This is really what it means to be Christ-like. It doesn't mean I'm better than you. It just honestly, it simply means this. I don't care if anybody else does. I'm going to do it. Like, I don't care if anybody else follows Christ, I'm going to do it. And even if you persecute me for it, if you, with your hours, you're going to watch soccer games and Netflix binge Netflix until you're, like, Netflix obese. You know what I mean? Like, if that's even a term. If you're just going to consume Netflix like the biggest, fattest drug of your life, well, I'm going to do something a little different. Your money's about you. My money's about the kingdom of God. The things I laugh at are different than the things you laugh at. Do you know why? Because I've had a process. Because I've mourned. Does that make sense? Because I've been broke. I've been there. Sometimes it's so hard for people to be here and stay there. You don't know how faithful you are until you have to defend it. You don't know how faithful you are to God until you're just you. Can I just close with this? There was a time after, I should just preach up here every single Friday. Like no one is distracted with their phones right now. It's so cool. No Instagramming. They're like, ah, it's boring. You know? Every, every one of you, if you're going to follow God, you're going to have to experience a moment of separation. The DNA of a leader is that. You're going to have to experience a moment of loneliness, a moment where you're just you and God. And I don't mean that you don't come to church. Oh, that, I mean I'm going to fast from church. That's demonic. Don't listen to that voice. I'm talking about even if the world leaves me, I will not leave you, God. Though the world, the Bible says, though a thousand fall to my left and ten thousand to my right. The Lord remains faithful. Well, I will remain faithful. Can I? I think that's my boy trying to climb up here. <laughs> you guys dressed alike, Alvis. <laughs> Blessed are you if you can say, God, I'm set apart. I want to be different. Uh, I want you to do something. Stand up with me for a second. Um, I'm really mean to get off. I just, I'm kind of scared of it. <laughs> I'm just going to finish it here. Uh, we, we are so, so trying to protect ourselves. We're very prone to self-preservation, aren't we? Like, I want to say I'm a Christian or I want to say I love God until, you know, until I leave this place and then outside no more. Louis, what happened when you started following God? Your life changed. Did everybody agree with you? Who were the first people to disagree with you? My family. Raise your hand if you have had that experience. Look around you guys. Just raise it high, really high. Look around you guys. You're not alone. I'm going to show you this right now. Like, you are, yours is the kingdom of God. Give yourselves a round of applause. Yours is the kingdom of God. This, 
We're not trying to go to church. It doesn't take much to go to church. To go to church, to be a church member, you just need to go to church. Like that's it. To be a disciple of Jesus, you're going to have to get what Jesus got sometimes. Does that make sense? You're going to have to strive. And so I know this is not, I got it, it's cool, it's cool. I put those lights up, I'm going to be all right. <laughs> when, when you start getting persecuted at first, you're going to feel like, what's going on? I remember my very first fight. Uh, it, was really, it was really little. I was kind of small. Like the real one, you know, because at first you just wrestle. <laughs> it's just wrestling. But when you get your bell rung for the first time, and you hear out of one ear only, and you hear it after. I remember the first time I was so, so amazed. I didn't know what to do. I was like, <sighs> breathing. Your heart's beating. You're like, what's going on? What do I do? It's not like the movies. You know? <laughs> I don't know kung fu. You know? You're like freaking out because it's the first time. When you play football, you play a sport, before it happens, you're so pumped, you're so nervous, you feel like your knees are shaking, you're about to, you know what I mean, like you don't know what to do, you know, if you go to the bathroom again, you know what I'm saying, it's this, I don't know if, you, if you've ever done choir, I used to be in the choir, praise God, not anymore, the first time I had to do a solo, I threw up, because somebody told me to do gargles with the water, but they, with uh, salt water, but I didn't do gargles, I just chugged the whole thing, and then I went up there and I just botched it, that's where my career ended, you know. But I kept on going. And I remember just before I do a solo, I get so nervous. I'm like, oh. And that's really how it feels, honestly. That's the rush you get when you start living out for Jesus. And you know you're doing something different. And all your friends are going out. And you decide, I'm going to go to church that night. And they're like, well, are you going to wear? And you're like, yeah, I'm going to uh, church. <coughs> and they're like, what the heck? Are you kidding me? Ah, you're going to try one week, two weeks. You're going to go back with us. You're like, you're going to go back with you. You know, like you know your life has changed when you start just headbutting people, man. When you're like, I don't care. Your mom says, you're a Catholic. It's like, yeah, it's true, but I love Jesus too. So what are you going to do? I wasn't, I wasn't Catholic when I was smoking weed. Now I'm Catholic all of a sudden. Like now that I start going to like church and doing my devotional, now we're devoted people. I don't mind if you're Catholic. I don't think God does either. To be very honest with you, I don't think that's what, he's not, that's not even in his radar. Really, for most of us, that's cultural, really. If you are from this country, then you're most likely this. Irrelevant. It's Jesus. After all, it's Jesus. One of my best friends, so committed to Jesus. Her name is Raquel. Love Jesus so much. Her Catholic church in Arcadia, Holy Angels, began to experience revival because she fell in love with the Holy Spirit. And she began to bring Jesus to that place. Like the true Jesus, not, not idolatry, just Jesus. It was so amazing. I'm like, dude, honestly, I didn't even want to invite her to church because she was doing just fine where she was. I'm like, you're doing great. Like you're doing amazing. It's not about religion, you guys. Is, is really Jesus your Lord? Is he really who you're after? Close your eyes for a second. Because I know this is the ladder of happiness. By the time that you get up there, you don't realize it. But I can tell you this today. When I was chasing happiness, my business, all these other things, and sports, and girls, and degrees, I thought that's what would get me happiness. But when I graduated from APU, I didn't even want to go to my graduation. I was just happy it was over. I don't know if you ever felt that way. Like you think you're working for something, and you're like, I just want it to be done. That's not happiness. Maybe you're in a relationship and you thought that was happiness. And you put that burden on her or on him. And they're like, honestly, I just want it to be done because this is not happiness. Instead of enjoying it, you're burning one another. 
Guys, let the Lord right now do something in your life. I'm going to lead you to this beautiful process right here, right now, really quick, with your eyes closed. If you're here today and you realize that you're poor, music will sound as for you to not focus on anyone else. Just you. If you want to give your life to Jesus. Today we're not going to, well, we're going to do it a little different. We won't have the people praying in the front. We're going to pray for each other. It's going to be kind of strange at first because maybe you're not used to this. But I'm going to ask you to do something. Just put your hand on the nearest shoulder of the person next to you. So don't like hug them. Just put your shoulder there because the person may not know you. And you may not smell good. <laughs> Just put your, your hand on their shoulder right there. You're going to do something a little bit different. This is an, an amazing, beautiful church. A bunch of broke people. Spiritually speaking, we just want him. We're thirsty. We're hungry. I want you to first, first thing is you're going to pray for yourself. There will be a time where you're going to pray for the person to your right, but not yet. And the person on the right will pray for the person on the other end. But first, you're going to pray for you. The first four things we're going to do is we're going to pray. And just ask God to help you recognize your, your spiritual poverty. Ask God to, if you're not seeing it, that you would see it. And if you see it. That it would be more clear than ever. That you, without God, we are nothing. The Bible says, he is the vine. No, we are the branches and he is the vine. Aside from him, from him, we can do nothing. You could bear no fruit and that happiness, I guarantee you, won't come. Financially, you think that's the answer and it's not. But I promise you, when you let the Lord be who he is, money won't be your master. It will be your slave. And it's a good one. But when it's your master, it's horrible and it's punishing. It leaves you hollow. This is the time where you say, God, I'm, I'm spiritually in such need right now. This is what Jesus would tell you right here, right now. If Jesus was standing up here, if he was the one preaching to you himself, he would say, blessed are the poor in spirit for Yours is the kingdom of heaven. You can have the kingdom of heaven right now should you realize your current condition. That's the beginning of salvation. Where you say, God, I want you. I need you. I'm desperate for you. If this is you, this is your time to say, God, I want you more than... God, I want you now. Even if I feel or not feel, I understand my current condition. God, let please God, please fill me. God, please, I need you. God, I am poor without you. You're going to mourn your sin. You're going to say, God, I'm sorry for all my sins. I'm sorry for those things I've done. Now, because we don't have enough time and you have a long list as mine, you're going to take time in your own house afterwards. And you're just going to go one by one and repent and say, God, I'm sorry for this thing. And you're going to say by name in your own room, in your own house. And the blessings, the mercy of God will reach you. Unconfessed sin means unforgiven sin. But when you confess, he's faithful and just to forgive you. The Bible says, blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. God will comfort you. No matter how deep, how bad that wound may be, comfort will come. For those of you that have been struggling to keep your own life under your grip, you're going to tell God, make me meek. Come on, tell him, God, I want to submit my life to you. Forgive me, God, if I took it back or if I, if I wanted to live for you at some point and I didn't. Or I never even believed in you. God, I'm sorry. I want you as my Lord, not just my Savior. You're not just my spiritual ATM. Jesus, I need you. Would you lead my life? Would you lead my life? My family, lead me, God. 
take, take my dreams, my finances, my heart, my emotions. God, take my strength. God, my weaknesses. God, they're yours. Be the Lord of my life. Change my value system. God, I want to believe what you say, God. I want to be under you, God. Not under a, a, a president, under a, a government. I want to be under you, God. Not under a culture, not under a, a specific way of, of being. Just you, God. I want you, Lord. Come on, begin to tell God that you want him as your Lord and as your Savior as well. But come on, tell him, God, I want your Lordship in my life. I want you to be the Lord of my life. You're going to begin to tell him also that you're hungry and you're thirsty. Tell him, God, I'm hungry and thirsty for righteousness. I want to see your righteousness cover my life, my family, my friends. God, I want to see you, God. I want to see that. This is what Jesus would tell you. Blessed are those who are hungry and thirsty for righteousness. For they will be filled. God will fill you with his righteousness. No sin will remain unforgiven. The blood of Jesus has power. And he covers you right now. At the count of three. One, two, three. The blood of Jesus has power. It covers a multitude of sins. The love of God leaves no stone unturned. Righteousness is not what you do. Is what he did at the cross. It's not who you are. It's whose you are. It's who you belong to. He is righteous. He is the true righteous one. And he covers you. He clothes you right now with him. I pray God right now that people continue to thirst for that righteousness. For you and for others God. Right now please God. Make us hungry for righteousness. Dear God I pray right now for mercy people. God merciful God. Merciful, make us merciful. I feel like I need to say this to someone here. There's one woman specifically. You've been hurting so bad. You've been struggling so much. You have not wanted to forgive. And that's been eating away at your future. It's been eating away at your relationships. You feel lonely. You feel angry. And God says forgive right here, right now. Be free in the name of Jesus. Be free to forgive. It's a commandment to forgive. Not, it's not just a right. It's not, not, not a privilege. It is a commandment that you would forgive. Not because of what they did. No, it has nothing to do with that. It has everything to do with Jesus and what he did for you. Forgive him. Forgive him. If you're a guy here right now, you're struggling, forgive him. Forgive him right now. In the name of Jesus, forgiveness flows in this place. Oh, man, forgiveness is flowing right now. Receive it. Receive it. If you need forgiveness, maybe this is, this is a hard thing and Holy Spirit is putting in my heart. You're angry at somebody who died and, and, and you're angry because they are no here, not here. And it doesn't even make sense, but there's an anger inside of you. And God says you need to release that anger. You need to let go of that, that frustration, that feeling of whyness. Why? Why? And God will tell you right here, right now, I got to. You need to forgive. Forgive the abandonment. Forgive the, the, the mistake. Forgive. Forgive. Nothing. Nothing happens just because God says, I love you so much and I have the best for you. Forgive him. Forgive her. Forgive him. Forgive her right now in the name of Jesus. Forgive. 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 Forgive him in the name of Jesus. I declare right now that forgiveness is in this place. That the mercy of God is extended to people that left this church. You have to have mercy for those that are not here and that are hurting and are struggling. And though their Instagram is full of beautiful filters and it looks great, I promise you, away from God is a hellish life. 
Have mercy. Have mercy. No judgment. God, this church has no judgment. Filled with mercy. God, give this ministry the, the gift of mercy, God. That when somebody steps out, that we don't judge whatsoever. That instead we say, God, we bless them. We ask you that you, you please, God, capture their heart. Protect them, God. Bring them to you, Lord. Do whatever you have to do. Bring them to you, God. Even if it's not to this church, somewhere where they can have find a home and enough doctrine, enough, enough wisdom that they could change their life. And their families don't have to suffer for generations. Dear God, I pray right now that you fill us with mercy. I pray for mercy for the family members here. Mercy towards your mother. Come on. Mercy towards your mother, towards your dad. Mercy towards your parents. You get really impatient. God says, be merciful right now as I have been merciful to you. Mercy towards your children. Be merciful. Merciful. If you are merciful, the Bible says, you will be shown mercy. God will be so merciful with you. One guy said to another, he said, you know what? I cannot forgive him. And the pastor answered him, then you better not sin ever again in your life. Because if you do not forgive, you will not be forgiven of your sins. That is Bible. Dear God, I pray right now you give us the gift of mercy. Mercy, God. If there's someone here struggling with purity and being transparent and has been hiding and maybe they feel like they can't be themselves. God, I pray right now that you show them that you already accepted them. You already loved them as they were. While they were sinning, you died for them. While they were sinning, Christ died for them. God, I thank you so much because you already love us and accept us. I pray, God, that this genuine Christianity will begin to flow. That if somebody here is struggling with being genuine about their faith, God, that just... It just comes through, Lord, that you would make them genuine in you, Lord. That their character, God, would be the same here and at home. That the way that they behave now is the way they'll behave tomorrow, God. That their church will not be Sundays. That their church will be their lifestyle, God. That they would preach at all times and whenever necessary use words. God, that their lifestyle would proclaim your name. God, thank you because I know that that purity is what you're after. That it is irresistible to you. I pray right now, God, that this church would be pure. Pure in heart so that we can see you in this place. So that your miracles, miracle working power would continue to work and operate at a whole different level. We want to be like you, Jesus. I want to finish. I believe the two have come to one. Help us, God, to be peacemakers. To not stand idle while the world goes to hell. God, I pray right now that we bring your peace on this earth. Make us bold and daring. Make us courageous. Make us dreamers, God. May this ministry never be just a, a membership thing, God. That we would be the kind of people that we want to see your kingdom come. And your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Dear God, today I ask you, Holy Spirit, give us that, that word that can feed the multitudes. That is the bread of life, God. Give us that word, God, that can really feed people. Give us the wisdom to speak. And not ever sound religious and off-putting, but rather sound kind and caring and loving. God, help us to be a blessing to people's lives. Thank you, Jesus, because though you knew our story, you still decided to call us by your name that is Christians. Dear God, I thank you so much because I know that today persecution will start for some. And I know that theirs is the kingdom. I thank you, God, for the persecutions that will come. I thank you, God, for the, for the fact that some will have to stand strong. And it won't be so bad. It won't be such a bad workout. I thank you, God, because some here will have to fight for their faith. 
And I pray God, I praise for those that will lose boyfriends and girlfriends because you will give them amazing husbands and wives that will love them and care for them and respect them, God, and honor them and serve God by their side. I thank you, God, for those that will lose friends because they will gain brothers and sisters in the faith. I thank you, God, for those that get rejected by fathers and mothers because you say, though your mother and father forsake you, I will never forsake you. God, I thank you so much because I know that suffering is not the worst thing. The worst thing is turning our backs on you. God, I thank you because this ministry is ready, is wanting to live out true happiness. And God, I thank you for these words. When the word of God will tell you, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of the Lord. In your name we pray. Amen, amen. Give God a shout of praise. Why not? Come on.